AI has become the latest and greatest development in the tech world. Depending on who you talk with, AI has the potential to save or destroy the world. But as futurist and not barren explorers, generative AI is just the latest development in a decades-long evolution of artificial intelligence. Barron is the CEO of Stashwell and the keynote speaker for UW-Milwaukee's Women Leaders Conference. She joins Like Effects Joy Powers to talk about the impact of generative AI and how you can start incorporating it into your life. So AI has really become the buzzword of the day in many ways, but as your work explores, AI isn't new. Artificial intelligence is something that we've been working with for quite some time now. This is just really a new evolution of it. So when you're talking about AI, what does that really include? Artificial intelligence has actually been around, and I think most people are super surprised by this, since the 1950s. And like all technology, it has evolved. We are all using AI every day in our lives. If you have Netflix, if you have Spotify, if you have any streaming service, you're using AI. If you are on social media, Everything that's served to you is actually served to you by algorithms, which is what AI actually is. Um, If you are using Google Maps or Waze, and again, I have no affiliation with any of these brands, but the reality is that it has become so ubiquitous in our lives that we don't even realize that it is something we're using all the time and it has just permeated our lives And part of the reason of that, of course, is that we're all using mobile phones and and smartphones, and it powers a lot of that as well. So the difference, the reason why all of a sudden everyone is talking about AI is because on November 30th, 2022, the world was introduced to something that had never existed before, and that is called ChatGPT. And that was released by a company called OpenAI, And they really did not anticipate the uptake, the amount of curiosity and desire on part of consumers to jump into this new world. And so the reason we're hearing so much about it is that this new generative AI, and happy to get into a little bit of an explanation of that, that's what makes it super exciting. And that's really what everybody is also freaking out about. So as we look at AI, what we traditionally consider AI, and yeah, this new kind of artificial intelligence that is generative, what are the differences there? What what makes these different? So the big difference, which is really hard to wrap your head around, is that generative AI, so all of these new platforms, whether it's ChatGPT or Gemini from Google What they do and what they've enabled us to do for the first time in human history is to allow a human being to talk to a machine in our natural language that never existed before. So basically, the reason it's called generative is unlike traditional AI, which just gives you back information, like I want to go from from A to B, or I want a song by Taylor Swift. What it does is it actually allows you to ask it a question and it generates either a text response, an image response, or a video response. And that has never existed before. So the scary part about generative AI is the fact that it actually creates things. 
Do you think that's part of what people are having some issues with? Because it seems like there is a a fair amount of fear around this space. It seems like part of it is just fear of the unknown. But yes, this idea that it's not just unknown, but also um, creating something uh, in, in some people's view. There's a historian and philosopher, Yuval Noah Harari, who has written some unbelievable books about the past, but he also looks at AI. And he says that AI has basically broken the uh, code of civilization, which is language. And so what that means is that storytelling is something new that an AI can actually create. And he talks about like one of his worries, for example, is that an AI, once it's sophisticated enough, can actually create a new religion and get people to believe in it. An AI can pretend to be a human and people might actually believe that the AI is human because it actually hacked human language. I think that there is a big question to ask, which is who is actually training the AI? So all AI is, right, is if you imagine like for anybody who remembers Pac-Man, it just goes through and it's quote, quote, trained on information. So it goes out and it just finds information And it's being trained on lots and lots of data, right? That's what makes it really amazing when you ask it a question that unlike Google, where it just goes through their data set and it just gives you a list of things, right? Where they're actually trying to sell you things. What AI does is it crawls through vast amount of data and it provides you the answer that you're looking for. The question is, who makes the decision what data to go capture? And where are the guardrails? I think that that's something really important. And the reason I think guardrails are so important is that all of us have had to deal with AI and social media. And we've seen the dangers and we've seen the division that the algorithms cause when they are set up by people who are trying to bring up your rage. And the more we rage, the more time we spend online, the more time we spend on that social network, the more we go into an echo chamber. So the fact that social media has never been regulated, and now we're looking at this brand new technology, which is way bigger. I mean, for me, AI is the new electricity. It is going to be something that is going to exponentially creep into all of our lives. We are very quickly in the next two, three years going to be using generative AI for everything without even knowing it, because we're just going to start speaking to machines. You know, everything is habit. And when new technology starts, we think it's like this new thing and, oh, it's for later. I don't need to understand it. But this is something that very quickly is going to become part of all of our lives. And we have to be asking the big questions of how do I trust it? How do I know that the information that it's giving back to me is actually true? So looking at those questions of guardrails and and safety, a lot of your presentation is about the ways in which we can incorporate AI into our work, into our lives in, it seems like, some organic ways. How do you do that while maintaining this skepticism of both the ways in which AI is being maintained and ultimately trained? I think that the best use of AI and the best way to think about it is a way to help you in your work life and in your personal life. And also 
remain like with everything else, right? Do you believe everything you read on social media? I know that I don't, right? And if there's something that seems weird or crazy, I spend the minute or so to go either Google it or find a news source or some sort of supporting evidence before I start believing in some crazy thing. I think it's the same thing here. I also think that people who think, oh, I'm going to get the AI to write my essay for me, or I'm going to use it to write all of my emails or to respond to things without ever checking on it. I'm not sure that's where we're at today. I think we will get there. And I think that we're all going to use AI as a personal assistant in the future, but it is an assistant. I, I don't think that anyone should think of it as something that's just going to take over. Sure. Now, in this moment, what are the ways that people can better train themselves to work with AI and, and start incorporating it in their work in even just some small ways? So I'll give you a quick example from my life. I was invited to a dinner party and I didn't have time to pick up dessert. They asked me to bring dessert. I knew that the grocery store near me, I would never get parking. I live in Los Angeles. And so um, I went to an AI that's a personal assistant called Perplexity. And I said, I'm going to a dinner party at this address. What's the closest place where I can pick up dessert? It said, there are three places nearby uh, within five minutes uh, with parking where you can pick up dessert. Would you like to buy cake or pie? I said, I would like to buy a cake. It said, okay, here are the places where you can get a cake. Um, here's how much they cost. Which one would you like to go to? I picked one. They said, okay, just so you know, I'm reminding you it's the most expensive. I said, fine, sounds great. Should I order the cake for you? Yes, it ordered the cake for me. I drove to this place. I picked it up. And once I got in the car, I told it that I was in the car. It said, you are four minutes away from your destination. That cut out so many steps. It sounds so simple and trivial. But for me to actually have had to Google it, find all the information, it, it cut out six different steps. So small example, but for anybody who's a busy person, totally wonderful user experience. For anybody who wants to use it in their work life, I think that there are many, many uses, but I think the best way, like with any other technology, if you think about how you got into it, jump in. It's not going to eat you. It's not going to hurt you. You're not going to break anything. Just start asking questions. And then I suggest to people also that we have this great tool called YouTube. You know, when I started playing around with some of it, I looked for tutorials. I looked for people who were experts. And it doesn't take a lot of time to get comfortable with it because it's like talking to a person. So just like talking to a person, it's how you communicate. The entire questioning process is called prompting. So there are prompts. You just have to learn how to ask questions. And if you think about it, for anybody who's had an intern or somebody who works for them, talk to it like that. Think about it like it's an intern working for you. It doesn't know you, but just set parameters and you will be shocked by the responses. Also, if you Google best prompts for, literally you will get all the suggestions for how to talk to an AI. I think there are also different use cases for each generative AI model. Um, so find the one that works for what you need. But I don't think people should be afraid of it. I think there's like the biggest aha moment when you ask it a question and it helps you with something. It actually gets you to want to continue to dive into the process. 
all of us, just like with any new technology, should at the very least start to play around with it. All right. Well, I look forward to uh, chatting more about this on stage for the Women's uh, Leadership Conference here in Milwaukee. Anat, thank you so much for joining us here on Lake Effect. Thank you again for having me. Anat Barron is the CEO of Stashwell and the keynote speaker for UW-Milwaukee's Women Leaders Conference. She spoke with Lake Effect's Joy Powers, and the two will chat again in a fireside chat at the conference. 